Hello, everyone. I'm Warren Smith in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Smith coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. Each week, Ministry Watch brings you news about Christian ministries, as well as the latest in charity and philanthropy, news that we examine from a Christian worldview perspective. Our goal is to help us become better stewards of the resources God has entrusted to us. On today's program, controversial pastor and ministry leader David Jang is in the news again, and we take a look at the growth of donor-advised funds as well. We also ask, is Colorado Springs losing its cool as a home for Christian ministries? We begin today with more news from Hillsong Church. Yeah, pastors at Hillsong Church used prepaid expense cards funded by the church itself, by tithes and offerings, to finance lavish lifestyles there. They also used volunteers to provide a lot of unpaid labor for the church. This is the allegation of former congregants and staff members, as told to the New York Post. The pastors got the reloadable expense cards along with Hillsong credit cards. That news comes from L.A. branch service pastor Nicole Herman. She did an interview with the New York Post that made all of these uh, revelations public. Several church members and volunteers have recently come forward to say that they also made purchases for the pastors using these prepaid cards and were never asked to reconcile or justify what they bought. So the person making these uh, accusations, Nicole Herman, is she a credible witness? I mean, was she in a position to really know what was going on? Well, that's a great question, and uh, you'll have to judge for yourself, but Nicole Herman helped found the Los Angeles branch of Hillsong back in 2013, and she was the person who was actually responsible for loading the money onto the cards in the first place, which were also given to volunteers so they could make purchases for the church as well. Now, expenses allegedly charged to the cards included high-priced rental homes and hotel suites for visitors and pastors, dinners that cost hundreds of dollars, annual memberships to a private New York City club, along with clothing and other gifts. And of course, this is not the first time that Hillsong has been in the news for bad behavior. Yeah, Hillsong has been in the news a great deal because they kind of court celebrities. Uh, Justin Bieber, for example, has been a member of the church. But they came under scrutiny more recently because the New York City branch pastor, Carl Lentz, was fired after he admitted having an extramarital affair. Brian Houston is Hillsong's founding pastor, and he tweeted soon afterwards that the church would launch an independent investigation into the inner workings of Hillsong, New York, East Coast. He said, we need a a solid foundation for a fresh start and a new beginning. The best is yet to come, Houston said. But then these new revelations came out. So it'll be interesting to see... um, kind of what happens at Hillsong East Coast and all around the country now that these new allegations have uh, come out. Or another person who keeps landing in the news is David Zhang. We're talking about him again this week. Yeah, Olivet Assembly USA is one of dozens of organizations that have ties to David Jang, and this week they purchased a historic Baltimore church. The price tag is about $550,000, which is a lot of money for a church that was basically uh, uninhabitable. It was in complete disrepair. The property was, in fact, put up for auction by its owners because they were unable to address code violations on the building. Olivet Assembly USA is a division of World Olivet Assembly. Both organizations 
organizations, as well as Olivet University, are associated with the controversial Korean pastor, David Jang. So Olivet Assembly USA, World Olivet Assembly, and Olivet University. The list is of these organizations can be a little daunting and a little confusing. Yeah, you're exactly right about that. And and it may be that that's what David Jang intends. He's created a web of organizations that now number in at least the dozens. Uh, they've also included the Christian Post, whose former president recently pleaded guilty to a massive $350 million fraud and money laundering scheme. And the group seems to be on a buying spree. Yeah, in January, World Olivet Assembly's Criascio International Christian Arts and Design Fellowship Division bought Temple University's former art school campus in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania for about $3 million to create a new center for artists and architects. And in October of last year, the group announced that it had acquired a chapel and several office buildings formerly used by Central Baptist Church in Sanford, Florida, as well as the Administrative Center for the Youth Evangelical Fellowship, uh, which is a parachurch ministry also associated now with uh, David Jang. Do we know what Zhang's long-term plans are for these facilities? Well, so far, we know only what he himself or his organizations has announced, but it's pretty clear that David Jang is a builder. David Jang founded Olivet Theological College and Seminary, later Olivet University, in 2000 in both Seoul, South Korea, and in Los Angeles. The school moved from L.A. to San Francisco in 2004, eventually occupied a former Cal Berkeley continuing education campus there. So a lot has been going on in that ministry over the last 20 years. Now, you mentioned criminal activities. Well, yeah, unfortunately, that's also a part of what's been going on, apparently, with some of his organizations. In 2018, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office charged four individuals and four organizations that are part of David Jang's network with financial violations, including an embezzlement scheme that involved the use of real estate for money laundering. And in 2019, uh, former executives from Jang-affiliated enterprises, the president of the Christian Post, or former President William Anderson, the guy that I mentioned a few moments ago, and also the former president of Olivet, pleaded guilty to a $35 million money laundering scheme after they had been denying guilt for a very long time. I think it's also interesting to note, Natasha, that they have not been sentenced yet. We've been following this case for over a year. Um, though they pleaded guilty, no sentencing so far, and we think it could be because they are probably talking to authorities. So it'd be, it'll be really interesting to sort of stay on top of this story to see you know what happens in the future. Uh, the university also pleaded guilty to one count of conspiracy, one count of falsifying records in connection with its purchase of yet another facility, the Harlem Valley Psychiatric Center in upstate New York. That according to the Baltimore Brew, the newspaper where we got some of this information. Well, our next story involves my hometown of Colorado Springs. Yeah, it does. And Natasha, as you know, and as I know, because I've been to Colorado Springs many times, uh, it's a hub for Christian ministry. Colorado Springs uh, had probably its first big ministry settled there back in the 1950s, the Navigators. Uh, but in the 80s and 90s in particular, uh, Colorado Springs exploded. In fact, between 1988 and 1993, more than 30 
large evangelical ministries came to Colorado Springs from places like New York and California because of the low cost of living and the fact that you're right there in the shadow of the Rocky Mountains, a great place to live. Yeah. And today, I mean, they're everywhere. I focus on the families just a few miles up the road from my house and I pass by Young Life and Compassion International regularly. So there's a lot of big ministries here. Yeah, they are. And it's one of the reasons that, you know, at Ministry Watch, we like having you and our reporter, Steve Raby, in Colorado Springs. It allows us to kind of keep our fingers on the pulse of what's going on in what's been called a ministry mecca. Yes, but our next story shows that there's another side to this narrative. Yeah, there is definitely another side that is beginning to show itself. Uh, We're beginning to see ministries quietly move out of Colorado Springs because the cost of living has gone from being significantly below the national average, maybe as recently as 10 years ago, to today when it is significantly above the national average. The latest and most high-profile departure so far is the denominational headquarters of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, which was one of those wave of ministries that actually relocated to the Springs in 1989. But now the CN MA plans on leaving the city and heading to Columbus, Ohio, and it cites a lack of affordable housing as the reason for leaving. That's the same reason that they cited for coming to Colorado Springs from New York in 1989. So when's this supposed to happen? Well, pretty quickly, it plans to make final decisions by March and begin relocation over the summer. But I should add that less than half of the ministry's 130 employees are actually going to move with them to Ohio. I guess Colorado Springs has a strong pull for people uh, who had moved there for a job. And and even though the cost of living living has skyrocketed in the Springs, it's still a pretty cool place to be. Oh, yeah. That's why I'm here. (laughs) Well, Warren, we have to take a break. But later in the program, Dr. Anthony Fauci reaches out to the faith community as part of a strategy to accelerate COVID vaccine distribution. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host, Warren Smith. We'll be back after this short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host, Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Now, Warren, we managed to get all the way to the second segment without mentioning COVID, but we do have a COVID story this week. So what do you have for us? Well, there is skepticism about the COVID-19 vaccine 
by many people, but it's particularly strong in the African-American community, and it's a skepticism that can't be ignored. So uh, Chief Presidential Medical Advisor Dr. Anthony Fauci recently filmed a session with Bishop T.D. Jakes titled Unpacking the COVID-19 Vaccine. It was part of Jakes' ongoing video series, Conversations with America, and it's part of Dr. Anthony Fauci's uh, effort to reach out to faith communities and to minority communities. Fauci assured T.D. Jakes, who is the Bishop of the Potter's House, uh, that the vaccine trials went the extra mile to include minority groups. We've got to get the representation because we want to be able to say we've tested the vaccine on people who look like you and we know it's safe and effective. Those were Dr. Anthony Fauci's words to Dr. T.D. Jakes. Just 42% of black Americans said in December that they would get the vaccine compared to about 60% of whites and Hispanics. That was according to a Pew Research Center study. But Dr. Anthony Fauci said that we need seven 70 to 85 percent of the population in general to get vaccinated for the country to get back to normal. Our next story involves Relentless Church of Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, Yeah, Relentless Church, uh, which is a church that we've been reporting on in the past, has now filed a court motion seeking the enforcement of a private agreement that was reached last year between Redemption World and Outreach Center. Now, Relentless Church says that Redemption World Outreach Center has not held up its part of the deal that they made. This is kind of a complicated story. So can you break it down for us? Yeah, I can. In some ways, it's like that David Jang Olivet story or earlier, a lot of organizations that have very, very similar names. So let me give it a shot. Redemption World Outreach was a megachurch in South Carolina, near Greenville, South Carolina. But that church fell on hard times, and then they leased their building to Pastor John Gray and his Relentless Church. So again, Redemption, Relentless, very similar names. And Once again, too, a lot of people think that that's not a mistake, that they want there to be some confusion of the names. And we've reported on John Gray in the past. He used to be at Joel Olstein's church in Houston and is known for his lavish lifestyle. And he once even bought his wife a $200,000 Lamborghini sports car. Yeah, that's right. But apparently all of his money went to the sports car because the heart of this conflict is this. Relentless church apparently hasn't been paying rent to Redemption World Outreach. And now Redemption World Outreach started eviction proceedings. Well, Relentless denied that they were behind in their rent payments, but they agreed to a settlement back in October. The new action by Redemption World Outreach against Relentless claims that Relentless didn't abide by the terms of that new agreement either. And we've got another story of megachurches behaving badly. Yeah, we do. And by the way, you know, we here at Ministry Watch don't mean to pick on megachurches. Small churches have their problems too, but uh, some of our listeners may remember the rapper Notorious B.I.G. Some people called him Biggie or Biggie Smalls. He had a song back in the 90s, and the song title was Mo Money, Mo Problems. Uh, Lord Acton said that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, and the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. So these Big churches often have big money, big media platforms, and that leads to big problems. And that's what's happening at another megachurch in Ohio. 
Yeah, we reported earlier uh, in the case of Christ Community Chapel, which is a multi-campus megachurch with about 5,000 members in northeast Ohio, a little bit east of Cleveland. Uh, The church became embroiled in a financial and sexual abuse scandal because it was supporting an orphanage in the Philippines that abused orphans. Uh, The name of that orphanage, by the way, is the Sankey Orphanage. So the abuse wasn't happening at the church. No, it wasn't happening at the church, but the megachurch's significant support of the orphanage absolutely contributed to what was happening at the orphanage. It meant that there was a lot of money coming from one source, and they just weren't paying attention uh, at what was going on at the orphanage, and nobody else was either because most of the money was coming from that one source. Uh, When this story first hit the news back in 2014, the church said that it was going to launch an investigation, but instead of hiring an outside investigator, it hired one of its own church members who runs a ministry that received a quarter of a million dollars from the church itself. Wow, that's a big entangled mess. Yeah, a lot of self-dealing and, you know, related party transactions. Those are the fancy words for it. But the bottom line is that not a lot good has happened as a result of that investigation. And now former church members and representatives of the abused children themselves have formed an organization called Justice for Sankey. Remember that Sankey was the name of the orphanage in the Philippines. Yeah. So what are the folks at Justice for Sankey asking for? Well, they have a number of demands. Uh, They sent a letter this week that read, uh, we write to you now to renew a call to institutional courage. Uh, That should have been answered seven years ago when allegations of abuse at Sankey Orphanage came to light. And then they go on to itemize some specific demands. The group wants Christ Community Chapel to support Sankey victims monetarily if necessary, but certainly with therapy and counseling, to fully disclose all of the complicated financial dealings, Natasha, that you and I have already been talking about between the church and the orphanage, and if there are related party transactions between individuals or ministries associated with the church, those need to become public as well. Well, those sound like reasonable requests. Well, they are, but so far, no response from the church. Hmm. And as often the case, we are not able to tell the whole story here, but you can read this uh, fascinating story, um, and it's a tragic one, by going on to Ministry Watch's website. It's right on the front page. And in our story, you can find links to our ongoing coverage of the sexual and financial abuse scandal. Now, we're going to take another break, but when we return, some advice for ministry leaders and more ministries making a difference. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com.
Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Now, up next, news about donor-advised funds. First, Warren, what is a donor-advised fund? Yeah, a donor-advised fund is a charitable giving tool designed to help people who receive large cash payments all at once. Well, that must be nice. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, the vast majority of people don't receive big cash payments all at once. Um, You know, they give out of their income. You know, hopefully many give the biblical standard, the tithe, which is 10%. But what happens if maybe you come into an inheritance or you sell a piece of property or a business that you spent the last 30 years building? Suddenly you get a chance to sell that or take some of the cash out. Uh, Remember what I said earlier, Natasha? Mo money mo problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Uh, if something like that happens, you could end up with many more problems. Uh, you could end up, for example, having to pay a lot of taxes, um, more taxes than you're used to, or you might feel pressure because you've suddenly, you know, got this cash to give to a ministry without really thinking it through or doing the kind of research that you want to do or should do. And a donor advised fund can help with that. Well, it really can. Uh, let's say that you normally, and I'm just going to make up some numbers here, normally you give away $10,000 per year to your church or maybe a few ministries, and suddenly in one year you have $50,000 that you could give away because, like I say, you, you know, sold a piece of property or came into an inheritance of some kind or in some other way got perhaps got a bonus um, that doesn't come normally in your job. Uh, so what do you do about that? You could put that extra money in a donor-advised fund. You get an immediate tax write-off, which would help offset the increase in taxable income for that year, which you'll probably need because this is usually uh, a situation that comes along not very often. Most people don't plan for that kind of thing. And then you can give the money away over the next few years in a more thoughtful way. And that takes us to the story itself. So apparently the use of donor-advised funds is on the rise. Yes, they are. In 2018, donor-advised funds were responsible for more than $23 billion in giving. This week, Schwab Charitable, which is one of the nation's largest administrators of donor-advised funds, said that it gave away $3.7 billion just itself. Um, They made about $830 thousand grants to about a hundred thousand different organizations during 2020 and that was an increase of 35 percent in dollars and 39 percent in the number of gifts when compared to 2019. Were there any Christian groups in that number? Yeah, in fact, there were lots of Christian groups uh, on that list. Uh, They published the five largest recipients, and two of the five were Christian groups, the Salvation Army and Crew, formerly Campus Crusade for Christ. However, I should also note that Planned Parenthood, the nation's largest abortion provider, was also in that top five. And while we're at it here, I should probably disclose that some of the supporters of Ministry Watch use Schwab Charitable to give money to us. We also regularly receive donations from Fidelity, the National Christian Foundation, and other donor-advised funds. Was there anything else interesting in the Schwab report? Yeah, there were a number of interesting, I guess you could say, factoids or statistics there. Uh, For example, in 2020, approximately 60% of contributions to Schwab charitable were in the form of non-cash assets, including publicly traded securities, restricted stock, and even business interests. So, for example, Natasha, if you or I own a business together, I could give my share of the business to a 
a donor advised fund and even keep running the business and take in salary from the business, though the actual ownership of the business might be in the donor advised fund. So that's one of many as- uh, many possible benefits of using a donor advised funds. Now, contributing appreciated non-cash assets held for more than one year uh, directly to charities virtually eliminates capital gains taxes that would otherwise be incurred if you just sold that asset in the first place. And by the way, we've written quite a bit about donor advice funds here at Ministry Watch in the past year or so. And if you want to read more, just go to our website and type donor advised funds in quotation marks into our search engine. And a number of articles that may be helpful to you will pop right up. Well, Warren, we need to wind down our time together, but I'm curious, who did Christina Darnell feature in the Ministry Making a Difference column this week? Yeah, she had a great column this week. Missions Without Limits is one of the groups that she featured. It's a project of the Church of the Nazarene. Uh, She highlighted some of their work in Central America. She also highlights the work of a pro-life organization called Save One. This group is affiliated with the Assemblies of God denomination and deals with the after effects of abortion. Post-traumatic stress disorder would be one way to describe that ministry's work. And in our Ministry Watch spotlight this week is the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I think a lot of our listeners think they know about Billy Graham, but we take a deep dive into BGEA's financials. And if you give to Billy Graham, you should really take a look. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosal and Steve Gandy. We get database and other technical support from Kathy Guttard, Stephen DeBerry, and Casey Suddeth. Writers who contributed to today's program include Rod Pritzer, Steve Raby, Ann Stike, Christina Darnell. And thanks to our friends at the Nonprofit Times for contributing materials to this week's program. I'm Natasha Smith in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.